0: From my side, a warm welcome to everyone this morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Louis, and um, I'm a pastor here at Grace Church. And I've been here about a year now. About two years ago, our church set out on a mission where our elders and our ministry leaders started praying and thinking about what Grace is really good at, what Grace Church is really good at, and what Grace is not so good at. That led to um, me coming on staff as a new lead pastor, and at the end of the day, we started last year, November, to rethink our vision, rethink how we do it, how we execute it, and we realized that it's time for a new, simplified, but very directional vision for our church that helps us to live as Grace Church. People. And this is what this series is about. In this series, we're talking about our new vision. Our new vision, for those of you who haven't heard, is simply this: growing a family that loves Jesus. Growing a family that loves Jesus. If you like, Louis, I've heard that before. It's because. We have actually been talking about this, although it wasn't on a screen or on a piece of paper yet, because we believe this is what God has called us to. We believe that this vision is both faithful to the great commandment to love God with everything we are and love our neighbors as ourselves and the great commission to go and make disciples, the two biggest laws in the Bible that Jesus gave us. And in this series, what we have said about this vision is we don't want this to be words on a screen. We don't want this to be something that you hear about for six weeks and then it's missing. We want this to really be a vision that propels us forward with action steps simple enough that each one of us can live this in our everyday lives. So we started a series last week called Move, a series in which we are talking about six movements that each of us need to make in order to live as grace people. Why six? There's three parts to our vision. And in the first part of this vision, we fo- in, in the, the first two weeks, we're focusing on the first part, that simple word growing. We do know this about the Christian faith. And maybe this is new to you, so um, let me burst your bubble. If you were one of those people who said, I don't talk about my faith. It's not really a public thing. It's private. I'm sorry, you're wrong. Bible paints a very clear picture about Christianity. It is not a private religion. It is personal in the sense that I cannot make a decision for you to follow Jesus. You have to make a decision to follow Jesus. You need to enter into a relationship with Jesus personally. But throughout the Bible, we read that it is a corporate and a very public faith that people were willing to die for. It was that public. So therefore, when we talk about six movements, these three movements that we need to make together, that we need to do together as a corporate body, as the church, all of us together, and then there's three movements that you and I need to make as individuals as part of this body. And last week, the growing part, we said we cannot rest as a church. We cannot rest easy as long as there are people outside of these walls who do not know Jesus, who have need in their lives. And you might not be able to change the world on your own, just as I can't change it on my own. But together we can change the world. That's what we do together. We have outreach as a growth church. We have Um, missions into the community and fun events and all kinds of things where we reach out into our community to show people the love of Jesus. But today we get to the personal part of it. Because not only do we need together as a church to reach out into our community, but you and I have a personal responsibility to do something as well. And I want to go back to the story that I started with last week of the bunch of starfish that washed up on the ocean. This old man was looking at this little boy walking along the ocean, picking up a starfish and throwing it back into the ocean. But there's hundreds and thousands of starfish. And the boy will walk and he picks one up again and he throws it into the ocean. The old grumpy man yells at him and he's like, hey, what do you think you're doing? Like there's thousands of starfish. What difference can you make? And he bent over and he picked one up and he threw it in the ocean and he said, it made all the difference to that one. You and I cannot change the world on our own, but we can change the lives of other people one relationship at a time. I think this first part of the series growing, we are focusing not on ourselves, we're intentionally taking the focus away from us, saying that we want to stay true and we want to stay passionate to the Commission of Jesus to impact the lives of other people, and today we're going to be taking it personal. And we can say, How can my friendship change the life of another person? And we'll be reading a story from the Bible um, in the New Testament in the book of Acts of a man, maybe you've heard his name before Philip. He wasn't a super famous guy in the Bible, we're going to be talking about him in a moment. But the book of Acts is a book that gives us brief descriptions of different people in the life of the early church, the church after Jesus ascended to heaven, and shows us how they actually lived out their faith. And today we're going to see how Philip used a simple principle like this to change the life of another person. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can open to Acts 8. Um, It will also be on the screen for you. Acts chapter 8, it's a big number. Verse 26, the small number on the page. And this is what we read. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now I have to quickly interrupt. There's no backstory about this Philip here. Like they were still talking about Peter, and suddenly this just happens. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Okay, so you're not missing anything. That's how it goes. Verse 27. So Philip started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, an Enoch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The Enoch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk alongside beside this carriage. So Philip ran over and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me or unless someone explains it to me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led, and this is what he's reading now, right from Isaiah. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from earth. The Enoch asked Philip, tell me. Was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus, because this was pointing towards Jesus, right? Hundreds and thousands of years before Jesus, the Old Testament prophesied about Jesus that will be coming. So beginning with this, he told the good news about Jesus, and as they rode along, they came to some water, and the Enoch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water and Philip baptized him. That's what we're going to be reading this morning. I think this is a great illustration of how your life can impact the life of someone else through walking beside them. You see, Philip came onto the scene where an angel of God tells him to go and talk to a man. This was not a man of his language, of his culture, of anything. He was probably had a Jewish background because he went to Jerusalem to worship. He could have been in exile, but he came from Ethiopia. So he was from North Africa. He was probably a different color of skin. He probably spoke a different first language. He was different to Philip, and Philip lived in a time... When people viewed certain things and certain places and certain people as holy or unholy, as clean or as unclean. So it was not just like today where we talk about racism because someone doesn't get along with someone else or says something wrong. They literally viewed some people as lesser to them in a really large extent because they were unholy or unclean before their gods. And God sends Philip to this different man and he's like, go and speak to him. And what is interesting, Philip responds immediately, and he goes up to this man to go and speak with him. And I know what a lot of us think is when we read the story is, man, I I don't think I can do that. I can't just walk up to someone and start speaking to them. Like, I know it was Philip's gift. It's not mine. Now, before we even talk about how to do this, I want to set the stage for something. I do not believe that there is a generation that's lived before us that has been more about comfort than this generation or generation sitting in front of me. And especially in the developed world, there is no one on earth that lives more for comfort than us. We do not like change because it's outside of my comfort zone. I do not like to speak about my faith because it's outside of my comfort zone. Because what if someone asks me an awkward question? Or what if they make fun of me? Or what if they find it insulting? I do not want to make friends with new people because two years after COVID, it is not normal anymore, is it? It is weird to speak to people. I especially love to watch the teenagers, right? Because a large chunk of their life just went missing because of COVID. Like they would walk with headphones. We'll walk past them and they literally do everything to watch the other side. So we've got this one guy on our street and we're always like trying to get his attention. So one day Yolandi said, listen, I'm going to do it today. So he's coming and he crosses the street to the other side. So Yolandi is like, she's like, I'm going to do it today. So she's like, hello, hello. And he like literally looks the other way. I'm like, it looked at it as if he just had a like neck spasm or something. Like he tries to get away from us so quickly. So do not tell me that it's natural for people to just go and speak to someone or that it's natural for us to just share our faith. It is not, and it wasn't natural and comfortable for Philip. He wasn't a disciple that spent three years with Jesus and walked around with Jesus and saw what it meant to connect with people and change people's lives. He just came into the scene a couple of chapters back when they had no one to care for the widows and the orphans. They are like, listen, pick seven guys to feed them. He was the guy who who handed out some food parcels to the single ladies and the widows and the orphan kids. He wasn't like a great apostle or something. He wasn't better than you or I. And that's what I want you to see this morning, that just going and speaking to someone, impacting someone's life, sharing your faith, isn't natural or comfortable for any of us. And it doesn't need to be. Just as this wasn't for Philip, because when you are here today and you're like, Louis, it is not my personality to go to someone else and speak to them. I'm like, that's 100% fine. You might be introvert, but guess what? It's not your personality that motivates us. It is our call from God. Philip didn't go randomly to this guy and speak to him because he was like, Oh, I'm bored and I don't know what to do with my day. He was sent by God to impact the life of this Enoch. So no matter what your personality are, no matter if you're afraid of speaking in public, no matter if you're shy, it doesn't matter. Our call of God is bigger than our comfort zone. The second thing you might be thinking is like, But I'm not prepared or trained for this. I'm not a pastor like you. I haven't been trained in how to share the gospel with someone. The Spirit called Philip to go and speak to this guy. You don't walk up to a random stranger with a perfect math in your head of how you're going to convert him to Christianity or how you're going to change the life. No, you enter onto the scene knowing nothing about this person and you have to rely on God's Spirit to reveal to you what's going on in their life. And to equip you with what you need to impact that person's life. You don't need to be trained for this. It's an old myth that developed out of years of all these classes and programs that we ran at church. Where we thought if we have more knowledge we'll be better equipped for something. And we had so much knowledge. And we spent so much time at programs that we never got out into the world to impact the lives of people. So the churches kept shrinking. You see if we truly believe that impacting the lives of others is a call of God, then we can and we should expect God to equip us for the task. If you do not believe that God will equip you for the task, maybe you're not called by him to do it. And if you're not called by him to do it, it's probably because you don't know him. Because Jesus was very clear. His last words on earth was this. Go and make disciples. Help other people to connect with the heavenly father. Help other people who are struggling. Impact the lives of others. If you are a Christian, then you have a call from God. If you're uncertain, see this as your call today. See our vision as your call to impact the lives of other people. And if it is a call of God, then we can expect Him to equip us. And if you're here today and you're like, I, I hear you, but I'm not going to do this because I'm not equipped for this. You are more equipped. You're more capable than you ever thought was possible. Not because of your own abilities or your own strengths, but because of God's ability And God's strength. Because He's the one equipping us for the task that He has called us to. But we need to be willing to be used by God. We need to be willing to be moved out of our comfort zones by God. And we need to be willing to impact the lives of others with that equipping that He gives us. So let's make it practical. How do we impact the lives of others? How do we share Jesus with other people? Because you see, together as a church, we can reach out into our community. Together we can sit here to worship Him. But... 99% 99% of the time, especially in the world that we're living in today, where people believe there is nothing as an absolute truth or whatever, people's lives are not changed by big message or on a Sunday. People's lives are not changed because we have an outreach into community. People's lives are changed because one person was willing to impact their lives. So how do we do it? Three very practical steps, okay? I'm going to make it so simple to you so that you never have an excuse again. Okay, so if you don't want to impact the life of someone else, that might be a good time to leave because after this is going to be so simple you won't be able to not do it. First of all, friendship has to be intentional. That's what you need to know. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen by itself to connect with someone else, especially someone that's different to us. It's built into us to separate. That's our sinful nature. When you're in school, when you're in, in kindergarten, you see like, kids making groups. right? Then you go to school and you see people forming groups based on their hobbies, based on their sports, based on academia, whatever they are good at you get the nerds and the jocks and the musos and the skaters and the this. And then we get older and then it just becomes race or color or language or whatever it might be or faith. But to enter into a relationship with someone that's different than me, it's going to take intentionality. We see that Philip was sent by the Holy Spirit to go and speak to this Enoch. But what is interesting to me is the Holy Spirit didn't just like drop him into the wagon at that moment. Because, by the way, if you go and continue reading the story, he just disappears after this. And the Enoch never saw him again. So if you ask, like, did the Holy Spirit drop him in? Yes, because he just took him away like that. But anyway, that's beside the point. What did he do? He said, do you see that man? Go and walk beside his wagon. And then we read these very specific words in, I think it's verse thirty verse 30, that he was running after the wagon. He's like, I'm not going to wait for, I'm not going to stand by the road and hope that when this guy passes, he sees me and he's like, hey, do you want to lift? Okay, that's often what we do, right? God seen me someone. I'll just sit in my car and chill. Hopefully someone will knock on my window. And I'll be like, yes. And they're like, tell me about Jesus. No. He's like, there's millions of people around us. Go and run after them. Do what Philip did. Ran Run after people that's different, just run after people who's hurt, run after people that's broken, run after people that's that has messy lives, run after people that's different than you who do not know Jesus yet. Friendship doesn't happen naturally, it takes intentionality. And I want to tell you if you're not willing to cross a line of divide, a Race that divides you, language that divides you, brokenness that divides you, sinfulness that divides you, different religions that divide you. Unless you're willing to cross a line of divide, you'll never be able to help someone else. Because let me tell you what happens when we enter into the life of broken and messy people. It's broken and messy. When I enter into the life of someone who is having marriage issues, I can expect that I have to step over a line of whatever is comfortable for me. I'm into the mess that their marriage is in if I truly want to help them. If I see someone that's hungry, I have to expect that I'm going to cross that line that's dividing us, that might be social, economic or whatever, that I might have to enter his world in order to truly feed him. It takes intentionality and you will have to understand that there will be things that you will be like, this is weird to me. But this is what Jesus did. There was health dividing lines. You couldn't touch someone that was a leopard. They were cast out outside of the cities because if I get leprosy, then I can't go there. But what did Jesus do? He touched them. You didn't go near someone that was blind because they believed they were blind because of their sins. What did Jesus do? He crossed that line of divide and he touched them. You didn't hang out with a tax collector because they were sneaky thieves. And what did Jesus do? He called him out of a tree and he said, let him come and eat with you. Jesus wasn't afraid to cross that line of divide and enter into our world. He left heaven. To enter our world and to come and walk alongside us in our brokenness. And unless we're willing to cross a line of divide, whatever you feel is dividing you from the rest of the world, unless you're willing to cross that line, you'll never be able to help someone else. So if there's someone in your life and you, at this moment, all that you see is a barrier to you entering their life. You see a barrier of pain. You see a barrier of suffering. You see a barrier of pain or of hatred or of uh, unforgiveness or whatever that might be. I want to tell you that's probably the sign that you need to go and impact their life. That's a sign that you need to step over that line and enter their life to truly help them. So the first practical step is, just deal with the reality that this is not practical that this is not natural for me it's not natural for our greeters it's not natural for our connectors it's not natural for our ushers what it is is its intentionality if you want to impact the lives of other people it starts with intentionality a willingness to say i'm going to cross whatever line i need to in order to help them except the line of sin we don't do that right two The second thing is find common ground with the person whose life you've entered. By the way, back to the previous point for a moment, the world we're living in, people belong before they believe. And some of you here today are sitting here and you're still not a believer, but you're here because you felt like you belong. And that's okay. When people are here, they've got the opportunity to grow and to find Jesus. But without friendship, you're not going to change anyone's life. But the second thing is once you are in their life, once you give that first step, you ran after the wagon. Find common ground with people. You see, there exists a gap between each and every single person on earth. A gap of trust that doesn't exist yet a gap of knowledge that doesn't exist. There is gaps between all of us. There's gaps between me and you if I don't know you. So you don't just walk into someone's life, knock on their door and go like, hey, have you met Jesus today? Yes, I know it worked in the 60s and 70s. It probably doesn't work that way anymore. They will slam the door in your face because they don't trust you and they don't know you. So our first step is to be intentional. Our second step is to find common ground. Philip runs runs after this wagon, and then he hears something. He hears that this man is reading a book that he knows something about. Says like, hey, I hear you're reading. Can we talk about that? He built common ground with the guy, and the guy's like, I don't actually understand this. Like, come on in and tell me more about it. You see, the moment that we have common ground, someone starts to trust us. I do this every week in a sermon when I share a story about my life or something. I'm trying to build common ground so that I can somehow relate to this preacher, and therefore I might listen to what he has to say. Build common ground with someone, because once you have common ground, they will invite you into their wagon because they trust you a little more. You see, people only want to hear from you once they trust you. No one wants to hear from the strangers knocking on the door and selling them another thing, another quick fix. So after you've been intentional, make sure that you build that common ground. Your hobbies is good common ground. If you don't have a hobby, find one. And the more public it is, the better, so that you don't don't go and sit in your basement and build little wooden ships, okay? Unless there's a club that you can belong to to impact people, it's not going to work. But hobbies, the school you're in, the place you're working at, the books you're reading, the movies you're watching, the dog you're walking, the children you have. All of those things are little things that God has given us that we can use to build common ground as someone. Oh, I see you also like to run. Let's talk about running. They start to trust me, and once someone starts to trust you, they are willing to hear from you. So we start with intentionality to build friendship because true life change doesn't happen outside of friendship. The second thing is we look for ways to build common ground with them. And the third thing is once they trust us, is we look for ways to share the good news of Jesus with people. And you do not need to be a theologian to do that. See, Bill Hybels years ago, years, years, years ago, And I think it might even be worse today. Did a bit of research, and um, I think it was in his book, Walk Across the Room. He he shared that after someone has been a Christian for eight years, they have almost zero non-Christian friends left. And this is the question, if we have no friends outside of our faith, how are we supposed to invite people into a walk with Jesus? How are we supposed to invite people into our faith when we don't know anyone who's outside of our faith? So once I've been intentional and once I've started to build common ground with them, I can look for ways to share my faith with them. Because at the end of the day, my friendship is intentional, Right? And people have asked me, Louis, but if you are fringe of someone in order to lead them to Jesus, doesn't it mean that they're just a project? Doesn't it mean that that you are that you have false motives? And I'm like, no. Because I truly believe that there is no truer friendship than the intentional friendship of leading someone to Jesus. Because if I truly love you, I would want you to find the abundant life in Jesus. I want you to find hope and joy and peace that transcends human understanding. I want you to finally connect with your creator and your savior. I want you to be with me one day in eternal life. I don't have a hidden agenda I care about where you're going when you die because I actually truly care about you. Not because I want to sell something to you. So I start to look for ways. I'm not just a friend just because I'm a friend. I'm an intentional friend because although I know I can't take my water bottle or my guitar or my house contents that we ship from South Africa to Canada, although I know I can't take any of that with me to heaven, I do know That I can take other people to heaven if they find Jesus. If I share Jesus with them and they meet Jesus, they will be with me in heaven one day. So, although nothing can go with me, I hope to see my friends and my family and my colleagues and the people in my school and everyone that has crossed my path. I hope to one day see them in heaven with me because I was not ashamed to share the gospel of Jesus with them. So, how do we do it? We stand around the coffee pot and we're like, hey man, this Sunday was such a great Sunday. I heard this inspiring thing that just made me realize how I can approach this thing today at work that, that we're all struggling with. We don't have to bombard people with the stuff. We can do it in little ways. One of the best people that I, that I know how to do is I'm, I'm pretty robotic and I have my methods of doing stuff. So sometimes I even struggle with this. My wife, Ilandi, she's got the gift of hospitality. She's just so natural with this. Years ago, we were still in university. Um, she met this in South Africa. We have something called car guards. There's more than 30% car um, unemployment. So then people create jobs, right? And people steal a lot of cars. So then people make themselves car guards to look after your cars in parking lots. <clears throat> and then you tip them a little bit. So um, we went to university, and she met this car guard, Patrick. She started speaking to him, and um, later, the more they started speaking, he started putting a cone in her parking spot so that no one could park there, so that she could. And this is university. I don't know about here, but normally there's no parking at university, right? So he kept a spot for every day. So she would just drive up. He takes the cone away, and she parks, and then he comes to speak with her. So they became friends, and she cared about him. He's uneducated. He cannot speak English really great. um, But she actually cared about him. So she figured, I want to be an intentional friend. I want to teach him about Jesus. So she brings a Bible, and he's like, I can't read. So Yolandi went out, and she bought a children's Bible with pictures in it. And every day she would go a little earlier to class and sit in the car, Open a picture of the Bible, and explain to Patrick about the love of Jesus. A couple of months went by like this. Patrick finally gave his life to Jesus. They prayed a prayer together, and one day she showed up at the, the university again, and Patrick is not there. So she asked, <clears throat> she asked her friends where Patrick is, and they said Patrick went into hospital. Something happened, I can't remember. Was it? They thought it wasn't a big deal. But Patrick went into hospital and he never came out. And she, because of months that she spent with someone that was so completely, completely different to her. Different skin color, different language, completely different social economical group. Like, guys, we are studying for professional degrees at a university, cannot even read. Because she was willing, because she was intentional and willing to cross that line that divided them. Because she built for months common ground and then finally found a way to share the gospel of Jesus with them. We know that when we get to heaven one day, Patrick will be there. Because she sat with a picture Bible and explained the simple gospel to him. You see, we we think we need all of this theological training to share Jesus. Let me tell you what a lot of theological training does it puts your seat in a, your bum in a seat, it doesn't take it out of a seat. It's time for us to get out and to be intentional to build those, fr- those friendships and to start looking for ways that our simple friendships, something as simple as a picture Bible, to look for ways that our simple friendships can change the life of other people. Because I believe when God looks at New Market in our community, he wants to see People like that Enoch change. He wants to see their lives impacted. He wants to see their brokenness healed. And he wants to see people being baptized as a public declaration of the faith in him. Just like the Enoch was baptized. And I believe God wants to use me and God wants to use you to do that. He placed us in this community. He brought me halfway around the world for a reason. And you were born in this community for a reason. And He wants to use us. So what's preventing you? Maybe you're still thinking that it will just happen by itself. It's not. You have to be intentional about building friendships with people different than you. Maybe you think that it can happen outside of the boundaries of friendship. That's also not going to happen. No evangelism course where you knock on a door and ask people two questions are going to lead them to Jesus, not in the world that we're living in currently. It might work one day, but it's not working at the moment. Build a friendship first. Get people to trust you. And the third thing is maybe what's preventing you from leading someone to Christ is because you're not intentional about sharing your faith. You speak about work every day. You speak about school every day. You speak about movies every day. You hang out with them, you invite them for coffee, you do all of these things, but you never look for a way to just drop a hint. To just share about what Jesus did in your life. To share a story of where you were before you met Him and where you are after you met Him. To share a story of inspirational message you heard at church or a song that changed your life. But if you're not intentional about sharing Jesus, you probably never will share Him. So we're going to make it easy for you today. And I'm going to ask the ushers to hand out our pens and our cards. I've got a little card for each one in the building today. If you are online, you won't get a card because you're not here. This is a special place. You're special as well. You have to make your own card. (laughs) On the one side, it says, my friendship can change a life. And on the other side, it makes a commitment. And I'm not sending this home with you to complete. We're going to complete it here now. So once those cards are handed out, the band can come up so long as well. Um, why are we doing it here? Because this is what's going to happen if I send that card home. Nothing. So on that card, you're going to identify three people that do not know Jesus, so they're different from you. And guys, if you do not know three, there's something really wrong with you because you've got neighbors, you've got work colleagues, you've got family who do not know Jesus. Okay, don't tell me you don't know three. Then you have, like, I don't know, something. So this is what we're going to do. Think about three people who do not know Jesus. Write the name on that card, because on that card it says, you guys can start handing it out. On that card it says, we're going to be intentional about praying for them every day. I'm going to be intentional at pursuing a friendship with them. That means inviting them for coffee, inviting them for dinner, inviting them for lunch. And I'm going to be intentional about impacting their life. Why do we say impact and not share Jesus? Because if your friend finds that card and they see their name on it, they shouldn't be like, oh, was our project. They are on there because you truly want to impact their life for the better. But between us, I do not believe anything is better than sharing Jesus. So that's what impact means, okay? So grab your card, write your three names, and then if you're still like, Louis, this was too quick. Guess what? We preached a four-week series about reaching one called Plus One. So all you have to do is go to YouTube, go to podcasting platforms, look for the playlist Plus One, and I will share it on our social media this week. Four topics that you can go and listen to about how to share with one person. So everyone is going to get that card. And I want you to write those names on. It's business card size, so you can put it in your wallet. You can put it against your mirror um, in your car. I want you to look at that card every day until those three friends have been impacted for Christ. And if you say, "But that could take 20 years. I'm like, that's okay. As long as you're here, you're not dead yet, and you can still continue to impact their lives. We never know how long it takes, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months, or sometimes years. But I want to say again what I said last week. The quality of this sermon and this service matters less, matters less than how your life is changed by it. So stop worrying about like little stuff that you like or don't like in here. Don't tell me how many times you've been here. Talk to me about how you invited your neighbor over for coffee, how you had them over for Thanksgiving, how you found ways to share your faith with your colleagues at work. That's the stuff that we want to hear about. That's the stuff that truly matters in the long run. Knowledge, apart from obedient application, does not meet God's kingdom standard. So let's go out. And grow a family that loves Jesus. Anyone skipped? Does anyone else need a card? Okay, band, you guys can come up. So while the band is playing for us, we're going to do two things. We're going to write the three names on that card. We believe that God is a way maker, creates ways, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of other people to truly impact them. So while the music is playing, you're going to stay seated for now. We're going to do two things. We're going to give our offering. Why? Because offering is a way that we say, Louis, I believe in this vision enough to contribute to it. And through your giving, not only do we get to make a difference in this community, but 10% of every dollar, so 10 cents of every dollar you give, goes into other parts of the country and the world to do this exact same thing. goes away to our mission, so taking it global team. So we're going to give our offerings. And you're going to have the whole song to write down three names. Okay, so you've got about, I don't know, four minutes or something, Ben, to write down three names. If you need more time, come and see me. I'm sure I can figure someone out in your life in less than three minutes. But um, we're going to do that. Once you have given your offering, once you have written your name down, then you can stand if you want to sing, but not before then. First three names, otherwise you're not standing. Okay, let's pray. Jesus You cared about a North African Enoch enough to send Philip after him. And you care about the people of Newmarket and our communities enough. But you have seen me halfway around the world. And you care about people enough that you have placed each and every person that's listening to this message today in their communities to impact them for Christ. God, I pray that you will light a fire in our lives, that we will not be comfortable with the decline of Christianity in this country. That we will not be comfortable with people hurt and broken and lonely and without you, but that we will step up like Philip, go out, build friendships, and help people, position people to find you. Through you, my friendship can change a life use us, Jesus. I pray that you would reveal three people at least to each of us that we can pray for, we can build a friendship with, that we can help to meet Jesus. Show us opportunities to share the simple gospel, to invite them to church, to pray for them, whatever it might be, but show us how to intentionally Share who you are with the people in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.